If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. 15 years ago, I was a y- Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Young adventurer in search of new experiences and a chance to escape the monotony of my daily life. I landed a seasonal job with the U.S. Forest Service in western Colorado for the summer. It was a dream come true, allowing me to explore the wild and experience the beauty of nature up close. I was stationed in an old ranger cabin deep in the heart of the forest. It was quaint, rustic, and charming in its own way, but it was also quite isolated. I was the sole occupant of the cabin, responsible for patrolling the area, maintaining trails, and keeping an eye out for any potential issues in the forest. One night, after a long day of work, I settled into my cozy bed, the moonlight casting eerie shadows through the cracks in the wooden walls. I drifted off to sleep, my dreams filled with images of the forest and the creatures that called it home. In the midst of my slumber, I suddenly found myself in the grips of a vivid dream. It felt so real that I could almost touch it. In the dream, I was lying in bed, the darkness of the cabin enveloping me, when I heard the unmistakable sound of footsteps outside. The sound was faint at first but grew louder and more persistent, as if someone, or something, was pacing around the cabin, searching for a way in. My heart raced as I lay there, paralyzed by fear, unable to move or cry out for help. The footsteps grew nearer, and I could hear the sound of gravel crunching underfoot as the unknown intruder approached the front door. To my horror, the door creaked open, and a chilling draft swept through the cabin. I woke with a start, my heart pounding in my chest, and the echo of the dream still ringing in my ears. With trepidation, I glanced around the dimly lit cabin, my eyes slowly adjusting to the darkness. To my utter disbelief, the front door was wide open, just as it had been in my dream. A shiver ran down my spine, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. Unable to shake the feeling of unease, I searched the cabin for any sign of an intruder but found nothing amiss. I closed and locked the door, my mind racing with thoughts of what could have happened. Was it simply a coincidence, or had my dream been a premonition of something sinister? For the rest of the summer, I couldn't shake the fear that had taken hold of me that night. I made sure to secure the cabin every evening and slept with a large knife close by, just in case. The days passed without incident, but the memory of that terrifying night remained etched in my mind. Now, 15 years later, I still find myself thinking about that summer in the old ranger station. The beauty of the forest, the excitement of exploration, and the lingering sense of unease that haunted my dreams. I can't say for certain what happened that night or if it was merely the product of an overactive imagination, but one thing is clear. The forest holds secrets, and sometimes those secrets can seep into our dreams, leaving us with an unsettling reminder of the unknown that lies just beyond our reach. Back in February, I was running a trap line, 
and the president of the lease I hunt wanted to tag along. He was a great guy, a pastor of a church in town, so I saw no problem with him joining me on the trap line. We were having a great morning, having caught several coyotes, numerous raccoons, and a bobcat. As we approached the end of the line where I had one DP set up, I noticed the trap was gone, and the ground was torn up all around where the trap had been. We got out of the side by side and walked down there, trying to figure out what had happened to the trap. I always cable my DPs off to trees. We were standing where the trap was, discussing what might have happened when I noticed some bark skinned off the tree the trap was anchored to. I looked up and found myself nose to nose with an angry raccoon. The stream of words that came out of my mouth in front of the preacher were less than holy, but he got the point rather quickly that I meant to move and move now. We stumbled over each other crossing the creek to get away from that angry critter. I'd say the best part of the whole ordeal was not getting scolded for using foul language that I rarely ever do. As we continued our journey, we stumbled upon signs of an unknown predator in the area, something that neither of us had ever encountered before. There were tracks that we couldn't identify, and the uneasiness only grew as the day went on. We decided to continue setting traps, but with a newfound caution. The pastor, usually calm and collected, seemed on edge too. We talked about the possibility of an unknown creature lurking in the woods, and although it sounded far-fetched, we couldn't ignore the strange occurrences. As we were setting up another trap, we heard a chilling sound echoing through the forest. It was a guttural growl, unlike anything we had ever heard before. We exchanged concerned glances and decided to pack up our things and head back to the safety of the side-by-side. The unknown predator remained elusive, but the fear of its presence never left us. We hurried through the woods, on high alert for any signs of the mysterious creature. As we reached the side-by-side, we breathed a sigh of relief, feeling a sense of security that we hadn't experienced since encountering the angry raccoon. On our way back, we discussed the possibility of the unknown predator being responsible for the missing trap and the skin bark on the tree. We agreed that we needed to do more research and inform other hunters in the area about our findings. Our encounter with the unknown predator had brought a sense of camaraderie between us, as we bonded over our shared experience. I had been working from home, my eyes growing heavy with each passing hour. I decided to take a quick nap to recharge my energy, so I locked the back door, drew the curtains, and settled down on the couch. I drifted off to sleep, the gentle hum of the air conditioner lulling me into a deep slumber. In my dream, I was walking through a beautiful meadow filled with vibrant wildflowers, the scent of lavender and roses filling the air. Suddenly, my dream took a darker turn. I felt as if I was being watched, my every step followed by an unseen presence. I spun around, trying to locate the source of my unease, but I found nothing but empty shadows. I jolted awake, my heart pounding in my chest. As I slowly came to my senses, I noticed a chilling draft blowing through the room. Glancing around, I saw that the back door was wide open. Panic set in as I tried to recall if I had left it open by mistake, but I knew for certain that I had locked it before my nap. I jumped to my feet, my mind racing with thoughts of what could have happened. 
I grab the nearest object for protection, a heavy book, and cautiously approach the open door. Peering outside, I saw no sign of an intruder or any disturbance. Feeling a mix of fear and confusion, I closed and locked the door once again. I couldn't shake the unsettling feeling that someone had been inside my home, watching me as I slept. The more I thought about it, the more I suspected that my landlord was responsible. He had always been a bit peculiar, and it was not entirely out of the realm of possibility that he had a spare key. I was in junior high and deer hunting with my brother. My dad had dropped us off and we planned to hunt our way to another location where he would pick us up. We got half the way to the lake when some dudes started shooting down at the lake. Like, a lot. When we were able to get a look, we saw that he was shooting at what looked like paper plates about 10 to 15 from the shore. We got to the other side of the lake and the shooting stopped. My brother decided to hide in a bush and scope him to see what he was doing. I now realize this was a bad idea. My brother said he's loading his gun, and then says he's pointing it at us. Just then I saw a splash in the middle of the lake near some ducks and shortly after I heard the bullet pass through the trees over our head. It seemed like it was only 10 feet over our heads, but I don't know. The bullets were skipping off the water and continuing toward us. That guy got a few more shots off that crashed through the trees all around us before he heard us yelling at him. He could have killed us. My brother tried to chase him down and I was really worried what he would do if he caught him. When we caught up to him he was 50 yards up a steep hill from us apologizing profusely. My brother cussed him out pretty good, which was a good outcome, considering we were all armed and my brother was a hothead. So there you go. Once again the two-legged animals in the woods proved to be the most dangerous. My father was a park ranger, and he always loved the woods as nature provided him and his family with countless memories. And my grandfather was also an explorer. So he always used to wander many places with his curious mind. Eventually, my father acquired the trait and became a ranger. It was one of those holidays when tourists come in search of adventure but end up getting in trouble. People come to the national parks for fun, experience some for field research. However, there was this team who my father had assisted. They had come in search of a secret toy unknown. Now I know I may sound like a total dumbstruck human. But they were a team of five researchers who were sane and educated, maybe more than the rest. One night, my father's acquaintance got a signal on walkie-talkie. It was a signal from one of his fellow researchers. After grabbing his rifle, he went ahead and investigated. When his jeep would not allow him to go any further, they had to walk the rest of the path. The tracker with the group stopped working after one time. So now, they had to search in two different directions. Therefore, they decided to tie ribbons that way they were going so nobody could get lost. Yellow was his color, and blue was one of his partners. As my father went ahead, he tied ribbons as a mark of the way. He kept venturing deeper into the woods but could not find the group, therefore, he tried to contact his partner through walkie-talkie. But never did get an answer back. Now, he is still walking and tying ribbons. When one time he encountered a yellow ribbon tied to a tree, 
Maybe he took a different route before. Then again, he did go into a different direction looking out for them. After 15 to 20 minutes, he encountered the ribbon yet again. This kept happening, so this time he stopped to take a rest. While he was sitting under the tree, he looked up casually and the ribbon caught his eye. It looked different for some reason. So he got up to look at it and to his surprise, this was not the ribbon he tied earlier. These ribbons looked old and worn out. Besides, the knot on the ribbon was double knotted, and he tied them in only one knot. This area is restricted where only important personnel were allowed. So who would come all the way out here and tie these yellow ribbons halfway to a tree? He knew something was amiss. My father came up with the idea of following these unknown marks and finding his way to the correct ones. When he was walking his way back, he heard some signing and there was light coming from that direction. When he was walking in the direction of the light, he discovered a group of researchers who were wearing weird clothing and dancing in circles with fire in the middle. There were only four of them. One person was missing. He had hid behind a big tree and tried to figure out what they were trying to do. Two of them went into the woods, brought a big wooden branch and a man tied to it. His two hands and legs bound together. He was definitely dead. And they tried to cook him alive. My father was scared to see this, so he reached out to contact his partner. But there was no response. After having that choice, he left. But when he got up, he heard the sound that something was still around. And now his life was in danger. He too ran away, and these cannibalistic murderers were still behind him. He climbed up a tree to try and divert their attention. And they were there waiting for him just below the tree. When he carefully looked at their feet, he could see that these things, they weren't exactly people but like people. They were wicked looking. Well, they looked human. They were different in appearance. He knew immediately something was very wrong. These things scoured around the forest looking for him. They didn't realize that he had climbed himself up in a tree and was waiting for these things to leave. They were these hideous looking creatures that were like men but emaciated, slender and white, having huge fangs and large hollowed out eyes. And once they had finally disappeared, he slowly made his way down the tree, looking for every direction, making sure these things were not coming back. That's when my father began to fall unconscious. He was poisoned. Something had seeped into his skin, and he fell right there, collapsing on the forest floor. Next thing he's waking up in the hospital when he described the incident to senior officials. And they denied his statement, any clearance he had should have been revoked. It was very shortly after this that he was no longer a park ranger. He was stripped of virtually everything he had at that career. It was also after this that my father had received multiple death threats. There were some things he's seen that day and information he knows that is very sensitive and that is not allowed to escape into the public. My dad used to rent this house way out in the middle of nowhere. A good 45 minutes from any town, the closest neighbor was another 15 minutes away. On this property were several enclosures for raising pheasants. These belonged to the property owner so my dad had no responsibility towards them, other than to notify the owner if he saw anything wrong. He was high school buddies with the owner so they were on good terms. 
Well one morning he notices something very wrong. In the pheasant enclosure furthest from the house, with a good 50 or so birds. Every single one of them had been slaughtered overnight. What was even weirder was that it didn't seem to be an active predation. None of the birds seemed to have been consumed. Luckily the owner had cameras and they got to see what really happened. So sometime in the middle of the night, a man neither of them recognized had wandered onto the property. He made no attempt to approach the house, but instead crawled under the enclosure's fence and proceeded to catch and stab each pheasant with a knife while wearing a headlamp. They caught the entire event on camera, from him entering the property till he left early in the morning. The police were called but nothing ever came of it. My dad was so freaked out from the whole event that he made us stay with our mom for several weeks while he slept in bed with a gun. The property owner tightened up security with new fences and alarms. He even bought some guard dogs. They were very well trained and super friendly to anyone who'd approach them during the day. Nothing ever happened again on that farm, and the bird-killing psycho was never found. It's 1982 and I just ended my time in the army. After getting home I found nothing had changed. That and my experiences in the service left me in a poor mental state. I loved the outdoors of camping from an early age so I foolishly decided that camping in the Florida Everglades would give me the peace of mind I desperately needed. After three days I had enough. I packed up my gear and headed out only to realize that I had somehow gotten myself lost. There were about seven hours of daylight left so I climbed the tallest tree I saw to get my bearings. The tree was pretty thin and just as I saw the way I needed to go, I slipped down and fell above 16 feet. My knee and ankle were sprained very badly and the pain was nearly unbearable. I limped as far as possible in the direction I needed to go but soon I couldn't stand the pain anymore. Finding the path leading out, I sat and started scooting backward as best I could. It was hard going as the path was made of crushed shells and gravel. An hour later and I saw a large cat come out of the bush. It slowly started towards me much like a house cat does when he sees a bird. Feeling very vulnerable and unarmed, I knew I was in deep SHT. Each time I scooted backward, it would lunge and sort of flop its front paws. Craziest thing I ever saw. It was about 10 yards from me when from my right came a rock about the size of a softball, flying horizontally like a missile. It struck the side of the cat's head so hard that aside from literally exploding, it folded around backward and slapped its body. I heard the crunch and saw the blood mist on impact. I swear every single word is absolute truth. I looked to the right and saw him standing there just inside the tree line, massive dark hair covered except his face. It was dark but easily human-like we made eye contact and I felt very calm. To this day I can't be sure if I heard or just felt safe but I heard that word inside my head. I look back at the cat. I thought it made a gurgling sound. I still don't know but when I turned my back, my savior was gone. I was replaying everything in my mind when I heard a crack at 5 o'clock. As I turned toward the sound, a long thin stick came flying out of the trees, landing a few feet behind me. I never saw or heard him after the first moment, but I was positive he threw me a crutch to help me get on my feet and make it out. 
Over the years I held the experience to myself alone knowing I'd be locked up if I told anyone. There are bad apples in every species but people need to understand they have compassion for us unless attacked. Had an experience a few years back that wasn't creepy to me. Who knew what I was hearing, but it was for the rookie co-worker hiking with me. We got off work at 6pm, drove a couple hours out to a trailhead and started hiking up the mountain in the pitch dark. So we'd be in position to hopefully find a buck in the morning. As we're about a half mile and there's this long, low call followed by some grunts that starts coming from just below us on the hill. I see my buddy start looking around him nervous as hell cause he has no idea what he's hearing and hasn't spent much time in the woods. So hiking in the dark already has him on edge. He keeps walking but I know he's got visions of Sasquatch snagging him up running through his head with every step. I let him wallow in his discomfort for a minute more as we kept going and the sound started coming up the hill towards us. About the time we hit the next switchback I finally asked if he knew what it was. He was slightly relieved I was hearing it too but said no. I chuckled at this point and told him it was just a cow moose. I had seen in the headlights just before we parked. She had been wallowing around in a spring at the base of the hill munching on aquatic veg and must have got her fill because she was working back up the hill to darker timber. The rest of the hike was quiet and unfortunately we didn't turn up a buck on that trip. I live alone in the woods 15 minutes from my town. My neighbors are near but not right next door. One summer morning I woke around 4.30 am to a strange pounding sound. It was still kind of dusky dawn lighting and I was in a daze from just waking up. Then I started to hear a man's voice yelling somebody help me. I began to look out my windows to see if I could see anyone but couldn't from upstairs. My home has no window coverings on any windows. I went downstairs and caught a glimpse of him, naked with a thin t-shirt on running around my house trying to jiggle windows and doors. He was very erratic, kept screaming for someone to help him, and kept running from door to window all around trying to find a way in. In any normal situation, I would gladly help someone in need. But this situation felt too unpredictable and dangerous for me to allow this person into my home. I was able to contact my neighbors who got my message and quickly made their way over to help me, this is faster than any police that can get here. The guy ran away straight into the trees before they arrived. He was picked up by our CMP shortly after. No idea what happened there. On a particular day in June 2021, my friend and I rode our bikes to the Monongahela River near our community of Brownsville, south of Pittsburgh, in Fayette County. We followed a dirt road towards the river and then cut through the forest about 500 feet, along a hollow. We had some rope and attached it to a tree, lowering ourselves into the hollow. It was dense, dark, and devoid of trails. As we approached a large down tree, we saw a brown, hump-shaped, hairy figure about 50 feet ahead but couldn't identify what it was. We thought it might be a sleeping, injured, or dead bear. Deciding it was best to leave, we turned to walk away. That's when the creature slowly stood up on two feet, 
towering at least two feet taller than us. It was muscular, with long sloping shoulders and long arms. Its face was turned away, so we couldn't see it. Fearful and unsure of what it would do, we hesitated. Suddenly, the creature took off, running through the brush in a zigzag pattern, loudly crashing through the vegetation. We watched it disappear, still hearing it run through the brush. We turned and ran in the opposite direction, hearing it behind us but not feeling pursued. Reaching the rope, we quickly pulled ourselves out of the hollow and sprinted to our bikes. Shocked by our encounter, we concluded it was most likely a Sasquatch. We told our friends we had seen something in the hollow but couldn't identify it and decided to return with three of them a week later. We lowered ourselves back into the hollow and found the large down tree. We noticed a large area of matted grass and ferns where we had seen the creature stand, deer bones scattered about, and a few large human-like footprints in the soft earth. After examining the area for 5-10 minutes, we heard a deep guttural grunt from the thick woods. The sound was unlike anything we'd ever heard before, and we felt it was a warning. We quickly left the area and haven't returned since. I had just moved to the Ozarks, and it was a crisp October afternoon. After work, I decided to head out for a quick bow hunt, eager to explore my new surroundings. The air was cool and refreshing, the perfect conditions for an impromptu adventure. As darkness fell, I climbed down from my perch and began making my way up the ridge to walk out. Suddenly, I heard the most god-awful guttural bellows coming from deep within the holler. It sounded like it was only 300 yards away at most. Being a man of reason, I sat down and tried to process what I was hearing. I went through the list of possibilities, cat no, bear no, hog no, owl no. The hair on the back of my neck stood up, and I quickly made my way to my truck. When I got home, my wife could see the confusion written all over my face. I told her what I'd heard, and together we did some research looking up various animal noises. After searching big cat moaning, I came across a video of an African lion caroling on the Serengeti. I exclaimed, that's the sound I heard. My wife asked, do mountain lions do that? Of course, I didn't think so. We lost interest in our search and decided to just Google Arkansas mountain lions. To our surprise, a video popped up featuring a big cat preserve. That's when it dawned on me. I pulled up the cat preserve on the map and found it was just under two miles from where I'd been hunting. I realized that I had, in fact, been hearing African lions caroling after sundown. We've since gone to the preserve and watched the lions perform their caroling in person. It's incredibly loud. Now, whenever I hear them, I chuckle, Thinking about the time I thought I'd have to finally admit that all those guys on the Discovery Channel were right about Bigfoot. Growing up, my best friend lived in a house with a large backyard that bordered the woods. It was the perfect place for us to explore, play, and let our imaginations run wild. One summer, we decided to take our adventures to the next level by camping out behind his house. We eagerly set up our tent, stocked it with snacks, and prepared for a night of ghost stories and laughter. As dusk settled in, 
we gathered around a small campfire, our faces lit by the flickering flames. We took turns telling scary stories, each one more spine-chilling than the last. Despite the eerie tales we shared, we felt safe knowing that my friend's house was just a short sprint away. Eventually, we crawled into our tent, our bellies full of marshmallows and our minds buzzing with excitement. We whispered to each other, the darkness surrounding us like a thick, comforting blanket. Just as we began to drift off to sleep, an ear-splitting screech shattered the stillness of the night. The sound was unlike anything we had ever heard before. It was as if someone were dragging two pieces of metal together, producing a noise so terrifying that it made our hands tremble and our hearts race. We exchanged wider glances, the fear in our eyes mirroring each other's. Neither of us wanted to be the first to unzip the tent, but we knew we had to get to the safety of the house. With our hearts pounding in our chests, I mustered the courage to pull back the zipper, revealing the inky blackness beyond. We scrambled out of the tent and bolted towards the house, our legs pumping furiously as we tried to outrun whatever creature had made that horrifying sound. Once we were inside, we slammed the door behind us, our breathing ragged and our bodies slick with sweat. Despite the relative safety of the house, we couldn't shake the fear that something was still out there, waiting to come crashing through the window and snatch us away. We huddled together, our eyes darting between the windows and the locked door, as we tried to convince ourselves that it was probably just a cougar or a mountain lion. Though such animals were rare in our area, the thought provided some small comfort as we clung to each other in the darkness. The night passed slowly, each creak and groan of the house making us jump in fear. As the first light of dawn finally broke through the curtains, we exhaled a collective sigh of relief, grateful to have survived the night. Years later, the memory of that terrifying screech still haunts us. Though we never discovered the true source of the sound, the experience remains etched in our minds, a chilling reminder of the unknown lurking in the shadows. This event happened to me and a friend I had invited to go hunting one afternoon. He was from out of town, and we were in southern Louisiana, in an area with thick woods and tall palmettos. To reach our deer stands, we had to walk through waist-deep water, making the mile-long trek slow and challenging. My friend wasn't used to this terrain but managed to keep up. I helped him climb up to the first deer stand, which was 15 feet off the ground, and told him I'd pick him up half an hour after dark since my stand was half a mile further. The full moon reflecting off the water allowed us to hunt for a bit longer. When it became too dark to see, I climbed down from my deer stand and started walking slowly towards my friend. As I approached his stand, I shined my light up and noticed he wasn't there. I shined the light on the ground, and there he was, leaning against the tree. Strangely, he didn't respond to me calling his name. When I got closer and asked if he was ready to leave, he finally turned his head to look at me. His eyes were rolled back, his mouth wide open, and he appeared possessed. Scared, I slapped his face, and he snapped back to himself. He just wanted to leave, so I made him walk in front of me all the way back to the truck. We drove away in silence. When I asked him what happened, he started crying and explained that while he was on the stand, he heard something coming through the water and moving the palmettos. 
When it got close, he saw a man who looked like he had been skinned alive. Terrified, he climbed down and hid under the stand against the tree. A week later, my cousin told me about a tour he took at a nearby Indian memorial. The guide explained that a local tribe used to skin men alive and release them into the woods as punishment for severe crimes. My friend, who wasn't familiar with this area, couldn't have known about this practice. Did he see a ghost of one of these Indians who was skinned alive years ago? I don't know, but I'll never forget the state my friend was in that night in the woods. I have spent plenty of time in the African bush and had encounters with the Big Five on foot. But this particular encounter felt much more similar to experiences I have had both hunting and being hunted by armed men in Afghanistan and Latin America. I know baboons are not human, but they are more human-like than the Big Five, crocs, snakes, big brown bears, etc. So it felt very different and much more like we were being hunted versus an animal acting in defense mode. I worked for three years at the US Embassy in Swaziland, now called Eswatini, which is a small country in Africa located between Mozambique and South Africa. My wife, son, and I were hiking in the Malalatya Mountains on the Swaziesa border. We had cut down into a brushy canyon to get to some cool waterfalls. My son and I had crossed a creek but my wife was behind us taking a picture of something. Suddenly she screamed and pointed up in the rocks. I had seen fresh leopard sign and we had spooked a mamba on our last trip to the reserve so I grabbed my son and ran across the creek to where my wife was standing. I saw where she was pointing and after a few seconds saw a large male baboon about 30 yards away. I waved my arms but he didn't move. I then saw a second male baboon start approaching us showing his canines. I told my wife and son to walk slowly up the trail staying next to me. I drew my 9mm, I was allowed to carry in Swaziland, and pointed it at the baboons, hoping to scare them off. When hunting in other areas I had seen that baboons will run at the sight of a long gun but these two had probably never been shot at with a pistol because they kept following us. I then told my son to pick up a stick and hold it like a rifle but that didn't phase them either. They trailed us about 400 yards, with my wife and son walking in front and me covering our back. What was spooky was how the two male baboons leapfrogged, almost like using cover and concealment. They didn't just follow us up the trail like an elephant would do, but more like they were trying to get ahead of us while trying to stay concealed by the brush. I knew if they rushed me, I would not have time for a mag reload so the 14 rounds, we carried SIG 229s back then, would have to count for both of them. But if they came at the same time it was going to be touch and go. Luckily, we got to the top of the canyon where it was wide open rolling country, and the baboons never came up over the rim. We booked it back to the jeep after that. As soon as we got to the jeep my wife had a panic attack and started hyperventilating. I had never seen her so worked up, even after a car bomb in Colombia went off three blocks away when we were having dinner one night, she was calm enough to seek cover and follow instructions. But this thing with the baboons really messed her up for a few days. In Africa, both baboons and hyenas are hated and feared by the locals who associated them with witchcraft, Moody. 
I don't buy into the whole animals are evil or noble although I saw more than enough to know that witchcraft is very common in parts of Africa. We assisted the Swazi police on a number of investigations of ritual black magic child murders and albino killings. So no one can ever tell me that real evil does not exist. Some of that stuff still haunts me today but as a Christian at least I know there is a power that is stronger than the evil out there. And I hate baboons. I was doing my night shift around 4 or so in the morning. It was calm, nothing out of the ordinary. The most extreme things I'd see would be burglars and thieves, and sometimes we'd even have to break a fight between teenagers. So I was inside my patrol vehicle and suddenly began seeing a weird shadow. I'll describe it to you the best I can. It was tall, its arms and legs abnormally long. But shadows just get distorted, it's a game of lights and the street lamps will make things look odd, especially at this time of night. Everything was silent, too quiet, and perhaps I was distracted. I look at the source of the movement. Don't ask me why, but for some reason I thought it was male. I just knew it. The truth was that I saw nothing, the corner of a building blocked my sight and I could not see the source. So I just moved the car towards it, only found an empty street. It mind you, I'm a 32-year-old female and I've been a police officer for more than 10 years at this point. I can't be scared easily. I've seen it all, even less for the supposed supernatural. I believe in neither of those things, and to this day the only horrors are those real people can do, not some ethereal entity moving to do God knows what to us. If anything, I've been told I'm too cold by people around me. The truth is is that I'm not the most expressive person to be around, which sometimes just unnerves people. Well, this shadow keeps getting larger and larger. It was of human shape, if well, very deformed. It looked too tall to be a person, but then lights often make us see weird stuff. Then it began to get close, slowly. I could see how it moved its legs in the weird manner that got twisted as it walked. I began to look behind me and at the sides. I remember hearing a street dog whimpering and feeling this utter sense of dread. It was completely irrational, I know. The hairs at the back of my neck stood up, and this ugly chill ran down my spine. The dog in the distance kept whimpering, a sense of pity I think. Something, it made me get out of the car, open the door and get it inside. Oh man. The feeling of vulnerability I felt was horrible. I moved fast, I tried to look better at my surroundings, but there was nothing to see. Even all my training did not allow me to see what was around me. The dog kept whimpering. I turned on the engine and noped out of there, out of that accursed street. The people at the station told me nothing about the dog. We kept it there until morning when I left and animal control would take care of it. I kept it for 5 years actually, I had to get it from animal control. It was female and passed away of old age. I called her Hope. Man, nothing even supernatural happened to me again, but I still remember that night and the ugly chill that ran down my spine. The shadow that I looked like reminded me of something you would see from Slenderman, you know that whole creepypasta Ginzi thing. So far, I don't know if it was a paranormal encounter or not. I'd like to believe it wasn't, but I felt something was out there getting close to me, 
and so did this dog. Either way, whatever you believe, it was certainly creepy. Looking back, I can't say for sure what I experienced that night, but it left a lasting impression on me. Hope, the dog I rescued, became a loyal companion and a reminder of the strange events that unfolded. I continued to serve as a police officer, always vigilant and ready to face whatever challenges came my way. Although I never encountered anything like that shadow again, the experience made me more aware of the unknown and the possibility of things beyond our understanding. In my years of service, I've come across many strange and unsettling cases, but that particular night remains etched in my memory. It serves as a reminder that, in this world, there are still mysteries waiting to be uncovered and stories left to be told. Whether it was a trick of the light, a figment of my imagination, or something genuinely otherworldly, I may never know. But it's a memory that will stay with me for the rest of my life, as a reminder of the unknown and the potential for the extraordinary lurking just beyond the shadows. The incident happened near Balashov, in the Saratov region of Russia. One night, I saw four fiery columns of light in the clear northeastern sky. They were close to each other, displaying blue and white shades, and lasted for about two hours. Afterward, the sky returned to normal. Not long after, odd-looking strangers appeared in the Saratov region. They looked like elderly men with yellow-greenish faces and no beards. They visited several villages but never asked for charity. When locals tried to communicate with them, they mumbled in an unrecognizable language, so people considered them eccentric or crazy. Neither village elders nor district policemen detained these strangers. However, they did arouse the suspicion of local representatives and authorities. The strangers moved quickly between villages, never spending a night in any of them. The authorities couldn't pinpoint their whereabouts, and all of the strangers disappeared soon after October 6, 1848, when a report was sent to the Ministry of Internal Affairs from the town of Balashov. This report mentioned that on the same date at around 9 p.m., there was intense lighting in the area along with the sound of thunder. Then, at 10 p.m., a blood-red-colored spot appeared in the center of the sky, visible for five minutes. The spot then elongated, turned pinkish, and moved northwest. In half an hour, the sky cleared, and the red spot moved west, separating into several dozen cone-shaped columns that stretched to the horizon and turned dark red. Afterward, the north was covered with whitish-red stripes that slowly drifted westward. The phenomenon vanished around 11 p.m. My mother lives alone pretty much in the woods. Completely dark at night, no street lights or lights from neighbors, only a small road leading up to the house. One time in the middle of the night she woke up to clear footsteps on the gravel, you know the sound, and three knocks on the front door. She called out hello and looked outside and nothing there, only silence. It might not be a spectacular story but I would freak out if it was me waking up to that in the middle of the night with no other people around. I was stationed on a Navy submarine base from 1987-89. 
I was part of the Marine Corps Security Force team and our job was to protect certain tactical weapons. I had a few odd experiences during my two years there. The main area we guarded was three square miles, surrounded by two rows of chain-link fences that were separated by 50 feet and topped with razor wire. The wire as we called it, was broken up into 50-foot sections, each section was numbered and had multiple sensors that triggered alarms. There were stadium-type lights that faced out of the wire so the entire inside was almost pitch black and the outside brightly lit up. The dense tree line outside was cleared back about 100 yards. There were three, 60-foot towers, picture an aircraft control tower, with a searchlight on top, bulletproof glass, gun ports on all four sides, a locked door at the base, spiral stairs, and a trapdoor up top made of bulletproof metal with a gun port. I'm 5 feet 1 and had to stand on the heater box to see out the windows as the bottom of the glass was 5 feet. We were locked and loaded at all times while on duty as it was a live fire restricted area. Come over the fence, you will get shot. I was on 12-4 duty in one of these towers the night this happened. A sensor tripped and I investigated with my binoculars. I saw a person standing outside the first wire but I couldn't see any features, just a silhouette of what looked like a lost hunter, which happened occasionally. I figured he looked like this due to him being close to the wire and the lights shining past him. I radioed to control that there was someone outside the wire and a mobile was dispatched. Mobiles are a truck with two marines, alpha driver slash bravo passenger. I jumped back up on the heater and watched the mobile approach and deploy the Bravo in the shadows and the Alpha drove closer and turned on its lights, we drove without headlights so as not to give away our position. When he turned the lights on, the guy wasn't there. I had been paying attention to the mobile and the deployment, not what I should have been doing. The Alpha and Bravo searched the area with a spotlight and radioed command clear. The mobile then drove to my tower. As soon as it stopped, the alarm triggered again in the same spot. I could see the Alpha look over and could tell that he saw the guy. The mobile raced back to the wire and I kept my Bino on the guy this time. Right when the Alpha turned on his lights, the guy disappeared. I was in disbelief. The mobile came back to my tower and instead of broadcasting on the radio, we spoke through a tower gunport, me yelling down and then moving my ear to hear. We were discussing what we each saw when the alarm triggered again. The Alpha yelled up that he saw him and took off. I jumped back up on the heater and I was locked on the guy. This time when he hit the lights the guy stayed for a fraction of a second, then he wasn't there. What I saw in that brief moment was what looked like a dark shadow of a person. No face, texture, or anything discernible, just flat black. The mobile came back to my tower and we did the gun port thing going over what we each saw. The rest of that shift was one of the tensest times I ever had. I was constantly watching that area and hoping to not see anything. When we got off duty, the mobile and I were pulled into the corporal's room and asked what was going on. We were all hesitant to say anything but the corporal let us know that he'd seen his fair share of odd stuff at this duty station. We told him what had happened and he said he'd cover it in the report, everything was logged. As we were finishing up, the corporal pulled me aside and said you know, I just realized. The lights hit the bottom of the outside fence so it couldn't be he was dark because of being backlit. 
We both got the shivers and nothing was ever brought up officially about it again. There were plenty of guys that had things happen to them, several that I was witness to. I had just finished running some errands in town and was making my way back to my secluded cabin in the woods. The sun was setting, casting a warm orange glow over the trees as I pulled into my driveway. Little did I know that my life was about to take a terrifying turn. As I unlocked my front door, I was immediately struck by the sensation that something was off. The air inside my cabin felt heavy, as if it were charged with electricity. I stepped cautiously over the threshold, my eyes scanning the room for any signs of disturbance. That's when I noticed the disarray, drawers were pulled open, and their contents were strewn about haphazardly. Before I had the chance to process what was happening, I heard a voice behind me. Don't scream. Don't call the police. I won't hurt you if you cooperate. I froze, my heart pounding in my chest. Slowly, I turned to face the intruder. To my shock, I found myself staring into the eyes of Eric Rudolph, the infamous bomber who was the subject of a nationwide manhunt. My mind raced, trying to comprehend the surreal situation I found myself in. Despite the fear coursing through my veins, I managed to keep my composure. What do you want from me? I asked, my voice trembling slightly. Rudolph's expression was tense, but there was an unexpected politeness in his tone as he spoke. I just need some food and self-hygiene supplies. I don't want to hurt you, but I can't let you call the police or tell anyone where I am. As I looked at him, I could see the desperation in his eyes. It was clear that he was on the run, and my remote cabin had provided the perfect hiding spot. With no idea where he might be or what he was capable of, I felt I had no choice but to comply with his demands. Over the next several hours, I provided Rudolph with the items he requested, all the while trying to keep my fear at bay. He maintained his polite demeanor throughout our interactions, an unsettling juxtaposition to the knowledge of the terror he had inflicted upon innocent people. Finally, as the night wore on, Rudolph gathered his supplies and prepared to leave my cabin. Thank you for your help, he said, his voice calm and even. I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Remember, don't call the police. With that, he vanished into the night, leaving me shaken and disoriented. I live near Muskegon, Michigan, close to the Lake Michigan shoreline. Over the past two years, several neighbors and ourselves have witnessed many weird lights above the lake. During the last week of April, there were several strings of red and white lights moving north above the lake. I noticed the lights twice on different nights. The man across the street contacted a UFO group, I don't know the name of the group. He told my son that he had also seen unusual people in his backyard from his bedroom window late one night. When he went out to confront them, they were gone. This happened just two days after he filed a UFO report online. On two consecutive nights, my son and I saw spotlights shining from the shore of the lake. There was a field, a narrow road, and a berm between our house and the lake. It looked like the spotlights may have been mounted on vehicles. On both nights this occurred around 11 p.m. and lasted for only a few minutes. A few days later, 
May 4th about 2 p.m. I was out in the backyard working in my garden. A man dressed in black military garb had entered through my back gate and walked towards me. I stopped what I was doing and waited for him to say something. He wore glasses that were tinted yellow, which stood out because everything else on him was black. He also wore a plain black cap, there was no insignia. When got close he looked directly at me, without expression, and asked if I had noticed lights over the lake. I explained what we had seen and any other information I thought would help. He wrote everything down in a small notebook, rarely saying a word, other than anything else? When I finished he asked if I had reported the sightings. I told him the man across the street said he contacted a UFO group. Then asked, but did you contact anyone? I said no. Then I asked him what group he was with. He just looked at me and said, thank you for cooperating. That was very weird because I felt that there was something not right about this man. I guess it was intuition, but I was creeped out. On Saturday May 9th around 10.30 pm there were more lights coming from the lake shoreline. This time I decided to walk over and see what was going on. My son, who was 17, came with me. He was just as curious as me. We walked through the yard, across the field then over the berm to the shoreline. There were five black Land Rover-like vehicles about 100 yards south along the shoreline. There were also a dozen or more men in black garb moving about. As soon as one of these men noticed us he shouted there. And came running towards us. He had a three feet long light colored baton with a yellow light on the end. Two other men came running towards us as well. The man with the baton yelled you must leave at once, this is a national security operation. My son asked who they were, but never received an answer to that question. One of the other men, who I believe was a superior said you must leave the area immediately, go back to your home. A representative will contact you in a day or two. We agreed and promptly left and went home. I have not been contacted by anyone since that night. My son and I went back to the shoreline and looked around, hoping that we could find something that could help us understand what had happened. There was nothing. I believe that they may have discovered something of importance, just by the way they reacted to us. Is there any way of finding out who these guys were and what they were doing? My grandmother, mother, and my aunts would have told you it was death knocking at the door. This is a third-hand story about the death of my grandfather. He was in the VIA hospital, severe diabetes from alcohol, both legs amputated above the knees, he was in his 70s, my youngest two aunts were home alone and my grandmother had gone to the hospital to visit grandpa. The house had side lights on both sides of the front door and the stairs looked down to that area. My aunts, upstairs, heard three knocks at the front door, but when they looked down, they could not see anyone. The knocking happened several more times, always three knocks, until one of them finally opened the front door to see if they were being pranked. After that, the knocking stopped. When my grandmother returned home, they told her what happened, and she was livid. She went back Tati Hospital, about a two-hour drive in the day, only to find out that Grandpa had died after she had left. Apparently, Grandpa had haunted that house afterwards, but the family did not believe the knocking was his spirit looking to be let in. 
My mother told me several times that if there were knocks at the door and no one was there, to not open it until someone came in through that door. The date is July 14, 2018, two days after my birthday. At the time I and my girlfriend were living with my parents in their old old two-story brick house. Our room was upstairs. It was around 10 or 11 pm at night and I and my girlfriend are laying in bed. Nothing out of the ordinary was going on just a typical night just chilling out in bed. First of all, let me mention I'm a grown man. Yes still live at my mom's house but still a grown man. I don't get scared easily. I'm not afraid of the dark or the boogeyman but this night is going to test my scaredness. I never even imagined in a million years something like this would ever happen. It was the furthest thing from my mind. We are lying in bed and my girlfriend had to go downstairs to use the bathroom or something. Mind you, the bedroom light is on I'm lying in bed. The TV isn't on. Haven't watched it at all that day. But all of the sudden this is how I'm going to describe it as close as I can. Well, all of a sudden it feels like my bed is almost shaking or vibrating, in a sense me not understanding what is happening. I start looking around but as soon as I turn my head to the right I can see plain as day a silhouette of a human shape. But this human shape figure you could see straight through. It kind of looked like heat waves but in the distinct shape of a human, no mistake about it. Okay, let me pause and do a recap. I came to realize that the bed shaking or vibrating was actually me trembling out of the fear way before I even saw anything. It's like my gut feeling was in tune trying to warn me. Back to me seeing the human shape see-through figure. I was just stuck in a stare or gaze of awe when suddenly I watched it walk to the foot of the bed, all the way right to my side of the bed, and in a split second my conscience said, get the FCK up now and run. So, I jumped up and I swore I don't even remember walking down the stairs. I was gone that fast. Now mind you, my mom, my dad, my sister, and my girlfriend are all right there in the dining room when I bolt through the downstairs door. They looked at me and said what's wrong, you are as pale as a ghost. I kind of didn't want to say anything to them because let's be honest what if I told you that I saw a clear person? How the hell are you going to react? But, this is the weird part, we don't mention this to anyone. About a week later, give or take, my niece comes over. She is 10 at the time and likes riding the four-wheeler trike. So she rides it for a little bit shorter than her usual ride and she comes in and she is pale as a ghost and we ask her what is wrong? What happened? She says please don't think I'm stupid but I saw an invisible person chasing me on the four-wheelers. It had a grown-up body but it was invisible it didn't have any facial features all you could see was just the shape or outline of a human-like body. I instantly got chills over my body. Well, I told her I knew exactly what she had seen because I had a similar experience a week before. I told her you're not crazy, it is real. I don't know what it is but I saw it too. I have one more encounter with the same invisible shape being 4 years later. I want to say the same one but definitely the same invisible shape entity. I grew up on a small property in regional Australia. We lived about 3-4 kilometers out of town, so not super far, 
but also far enough that we never really get disturbed. On top of that, we were on a dead-end street, down the end of another street off of the main road, so not once have I ever seen a pedestrian near my house. Anyway, one night when I was about 12, I was watching TV when two of my brothers came downstairs and said did you hear that? I was pretty glued to the TV so didn't hear a thing, but apparently they heard footsteps outside and a couple of hushed voices. Seeing as how my brothers were both around 20 and both big rugby playing dudes, their plan was for me to wait inside, while they ran outside and tackled anybody they could find before calling the cops. So they both sprinted out the front door at the same time, splitting in different directions to wrap around the house and meet again on the other side, presumably each with a criminal wrapped in a headlock under their arm. If you've ever seen that movie signs where Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix run around the house, basically just picture that. Anyway, they never found them. Swear to this day that they heard voices, but nobody was ever seen. Our property has a lot of thick bushland right up to the house, so all we can think is that when my brothers came out, these guys just dissolved back into the bush and watched, then probably just took off once the coast was clear again. The whole thing scared the hell out of me. I was looking out my bedroom window across my backyard with a backdrop of a forest. I had a rabbit cage at the border of the forest adjacent to our work shed, roughly 40 feet away. I witnessed a six-foot-tall white rabbit with a dark vest facing the door to my pet rabbit's cage. I went into shock, as I was beginning to be skeptical of such things as the Easter Bunny as I was aging out of the concept. I couldn't believe my eyes. I maintained a visual of the rabbit and pinched and slapped myself so hard to try and wake myself up. The pain confirmed I was not dreaming. I rubbed my eyes, the giant rabbit was still there. I threw open the single pane window which led to the backyard facing the rabbit cage. I yelled at the rabbit, hey, I see you. I tried to volley up into the window to leap out and run to the rabbit, in my tidy whitey kids underwear, but couldn't make it up out the window. It turned, looked at me, and took a series of bounds at high speed into the forest. I called my little brother, and he arrived at the window as the giant rabbit disappeared into the Douglas firs. I woke my parents and even a neighbor. I quizzed them as to a possible Easter costume, but I knew no one could make leaps at that speed nor have such a detailed costume, and why run for that matter. They all had a good laugh at my expense. I explored my pet rabbit's cage and surroundings as well as the forest soon after trying to get a sense of what occurred. No tracks and no trace evidence were left behind. The memory haunts me to this day because of the absurdity of the situation. For some reason, I thought I would Google this strange experience, such as the one I had observed in my youth as it stands out in my mind to this day. Your witness's story came up in my feed and I have goosebumps as I write this. I am in disbelief and a little embarrassed but feel compelled to tell you my story because this is beyond coincidence and indicates something bigger is going on. Currently, I am a retired police officer and forensic artist residing in central British Columbia I have witnessed strange things in my life and career, but this childhood memory was so strange, and not a hallucination. It feels like a relief to recount it, embarrassing or not. Thanks for your time.
After the six-foot rabbit incident, I had a bizarre Mary Poppins song stuck in my head on repeat and I could not shake it. It really made no sense as I was not a fan and it was before my time. It was odd and ill-fitting for the occurrence, he added. The report referenced in the man's testimony came from Sharon, an Illinois woman who said that when she was eight or nine years old, she awoke early one Easter morning in 1961 or 1962 to see a six-foot-tall, white, bipedal rabbit wearing a black vest embroidered with multicolored glass beads hopping through her backyard. In further correspondence with investigator Tobias Wayland, the man noted some synchronicities between his and Sharon's experiences. What's very strange is the woman from her 1962 encounter had the same dog as me, an Airedale Terrier, and lived in a similar type of suburb and was close to the same age and circumstance, he said. Also, like the man, Sharon only submitted her report after seeing another article published by the Singular Fortean Society on a childhood sighting of the Easter Bunny. While rare, reported encounters with mythological beings associated with major holidays are not unheard of. This isn't a super scary experience or anything, but at the time, I was like 10 or so, it was pretty unnerving. So I was staying with my grandparents who lived pretty much in the middle of nowhere, and a dude knocked on their door. He asked for directions to town, but they lived on a dead-end road where the only way to get up there is to come from town so he obviously knew where it was. They then pointed in the direction he needed to go, and then he said, thanks. But instead of getting back into his car, he just ran off into the woods as fast as he could. They called the cops but they never found him so we have no clue what happened. He left his car in their driveway and never came back for it. <laughs>